and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 national parks. Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing our thoughts on the right and wrong ways to visit a national park through our experiences in Yosemite and Gates of the Arctic. We'll also chat about the NPS's cutest live webcam and answer a question about the country's most amazing regions. So, Elizabeth, we finally got to go out on a trail for the first time since we got back. Finally. It it was a while that we spent not on the trail. (laughs) Yeah, now I'm spending just all my day in this one building at school and I know, air conditioning what <laughs> yeah sucking the life out of me going through withdrawal here yeah I really enjoyed it too we so we moved to Kirkwood Missouri which is in St. Louis and there's a park called Powder Valley Nature Conservation Area something it's not a it's not a national park it's not a <laughs> state park it's uh, but it's a, pr- a nice, cute little area with a short trail. It and does its best. Yeah, and you know, we went on Sunday, and it got it just kind of got us thinking that these smaller parks are kind of an awesome way to to have these little adventures. Yeah, it's just an oasis from the hustle and bustle of the city. Uh, right. You know, yeah, it, you just need that where you're totally surrounded by nature and trees. And, you know, we saw a praying mantis, so it's just those little tiny <laughs> things. nature. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, it is nice, though. Like, after the, the, you know, the come down from our big, huge trip has got us sort of feeling all sorts of emotions. Um, but getting back out and even doing small things, it's, it's kind of like sometimes the unspectacular becomes the the most spectacular thing of your day, you know. It's still it can still be wonderful even if it's just a tiny little adventure. Yeah, so we're just going to keep exploring cuz there's tons around St. Louis we've never been to. So Yeah, there are some parks that we want to check out for sure and a lot of a lot of cool state parks. We want to go to Castlewood State Park. Um down in the Ozarks. Sev- several others. Yeah. <laughs> and we're excited cuz the the color the colors are starting to change the trees are starting to turn so all sorts of exciting stuff happening here in st louis so what's on tap for today all right well first we're going to start with our fun segment called parks in the news um and this isn't really a current event but it's kind of a fun thing that i wanted to make sure everyone knew about because it's my (laughs) most it was one of my most favorite things about um that the that the parks do kind of online and this is the puppy cam. Oh boy. <laughs> you know all about this. The puppy cam inside Denali National Park. Yeah, so Denali is really unique because it's the only place where they use sled dogs. You know, it's in the middle of Alaska. When it gets into winter, they have snowmobiles yes but they were really telling us when we went to this ranger program that did a sled dog demonstration things newfangled technology like snowmobiles break down and then it's so much hassle getting the parts and every doing all the maintenance 
in the middle of the bush in Alaska. So they really do use these sled dogs to get around to do all their ranger patrols. And it's a cool tradition because they have, I don't know, 20 dogs a lot Mm -hmm. in the in the crew um and in in the summer so in the winter they work um and in the summer they give they they do shows for visitors um that come through and so you can go you can get the you know the rangers give a little talk and then the sled dogs give a little demonstration and it's just really just adorable anyway one of the dogs just gave birth um it was what five days before we were there this summer. Yeah. So they had maybe the whole. Even less. Yeah. So they had the whole um, the whole pen like uh, tarped off, so you couldn't see into it. You couldn't like look through the camera or anything. Be just to give the you know every the the mom and the babies some privacy. So unfortunately, we didn't get to see them, but thankfully they have a live webcam <laughs> that goes twenty four seven, and it's focused on the puppies. And it's amazing. I oh love my it. Gosh, so gosh, what would I do without the puppy cam? <laughs> so we'll link to it on the show notes. Um, if you go to switchbackkids.com slash podcast, you'll be able to read and then click the link and see these adorable puppies. But anyway, um, like we did last week, I wanted to turn the this segment into a little bit of a quiz for Cole. So, Cole, there were five puppies born, and the theme of their names was birthday because of the 100th year of the National Park Service. They were born on the 100th year. So uh, I'm going to give you six names that have to do with birthdays. Five of them are real names and one of them is a name I made up for these puppies. Okay. Okay. So here are the six names and you have to guess which one is the incorrect name. Cool. Okay. Hundo for 100. Okay. Happy. Confetti. Got it. Pinata, party, and cupcake. <laughs> Which one is? <laughs> Aren't these adorable? <laughs> yeah, it's really cool because, and now I'm stalling, of course, but it's cool <laughs> because each litter they have, um, it, it's a different theme of names. So, what was one one other theme? It was like they've had um, Athabascan names. Yeah, the native Alaskan. The native Alaskan. They've had terms. I can't remember now, but all sorts of things. Yeah. Okay, but let's see. Hundo, happy, confetti, pinata, party, cupcake. I'm gonna say party. Uh, it that one is a real name of a dog. The the one that I made up was Confetti. Wouldn't that be a good name for a puppy? I didn't even get two guesses. No, you didn't. That's rough. Um, we're gonna move on. <laughs> but Hope you I don't sh- fail your kids that quickly. I should probably be in charge. She's a teacher. I should probably be in charge of puppy names instead. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of party. It's just very generic. Confetti at least has some personality. I, yeah. You you tricked me. I'll I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, are you ready to start today? Yeah, yeah, what are we doing? So, today we are talking all about this concept that there is no wrong way to visit a national park. Do you agree, Cole? I do agree. (laughs) If you asked me that question at the beginning of our trip last August 2015, I probably would say otherwise because we kind of started off thinking, you know, 
yeah, there are a bunch of other people, you know, those touristy types or those RVers who go to the national parks, but on our trip, when we go to all the national parks, we're going to do it right. Oh, and this is the right way. We were very smug about it at first. I was. I think we both were a little bit. Like, we would yeah. look at people, like, you know, getting out at an overlook and then getting back in their car and being like, ugh, like, we no. just spent two days in the backcountry. Um, I mean, it's not outwardly, but always in your in your well, head, yeah. you have a little, you know, competition going on, but... Um, yeah, by, we, we prided ourselves. We definitely prided ourselves on getting mm-hmm. deep into the park and exploring different uh, secrets that it had to offer and not just, you know, stopping at the overlooks, God forbid. Um, <laughs> so today we're just going to talk a little bit about how we came to this conclusion because I think it's one of the biggest themes of our whole trip that we, re- that we came to realize. Um, so just to kind of give you an overview some of the things that we are going to, um, you know, the factors of judgment we have for these, for looking at these parks, you know, we look at how long people stay, we look at um, how they got there, maybe a tour bus or an RV or a a car or whatever. Sled dogs. A a helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We look at how they visit, um, you know, maybe just looking at just going to overlooks, going on longer hiking trails, um, fishing, doing, you know, getting deeper into the parks, and maybe a little bit of um, their selfie stick usage. Okay. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, we were guilty once or twice. We brought a selfie stick, but we are surprised at how often we did not use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other people, though, they would use it, like, when they're just taking a picture for somebody else. We saw some... <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> um, other tourists just taking it and taking it like using it as a camera not of themselves or anything but they're holding the cell it was just couldn't wrap my mind around it funny anyway. funny so the two parks we're going to talk about today are Yosemite which is one of the most popular parks and definitely you know one of the most accessible parks and as far as people getting there and then the second park we're going to talk about is the opposite of that, and that's Gates of the Arctic, which is in Alaska. So let's start with Yosemite. Let's really deep dive into into visiting Yosemite. Yeah, and just side note, this is typically how we're going to set the episodes up. We're going to have a topic and then explore it by really going deep into uh, two parks usually and just talking about our experience and what the park has to offer and how it relates to the topic. So... So Yosemite National Park is was one of the was it number two second national park in the system. Oh geez, now yeah, now it's the second on. yeah second national park created, um, and it was it's one of the first piece you know first um, chunks of protected land. It's kind of where the whole national park idea began. Yeah, because it was first given to California, and then they. Uh, It was kind of taken away from them because they were mismanaging it, letting a little too much commercial exploitation go on. And then the, you know, NPS, well, not NPS at the time, but it was created as a national park under federal, uh, you know, jurisdiction. And that was around 1884. Man, we're going to have to look up the stats for next time. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, obviously huge national park because it's so close to all these major population centers real close to san francisco and just so iconic it's hard to get more iconic than when you're um you know 
picture of Half Dome is <laughs> on the desktop for our MacBook. Um, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and the reason we wanted to talk about it for this topic specifically is because we felt like Yosemite, especially the valley, Yosemite Valley, um, which is the epicenter of the park, is a really good example of the diversity of visitors in all national parks. Because pe- everyone funnels into this valley. Um, people who are coming on tour buses, people who are going to climb, um, to climb El Capitan, people who are going to start... Um, the John Muir Trail go there. People like us who are kind of in between, you know, doing some hiking, some touristy things. People who were going to stay at the $500 a night Majestic <laughs> uh, Majestic Hotel. So we wanted to really focus on, on that. And that is exactly how we spent our time, the $500 hotel. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, the closest we got was going into the lobby. And they have really huge, a huge great hall with nice fires going in the on the big hearth and yeah go go in this is what we would suggest go in and steal their wi-fi for a couple minutes if you want and maybe take have a, a drink sit by the fire it's it's a very nice we, experience yeah so we wanted to talk just a little bit about we were first timers to the park and um we visited in just to give you the specs we visited in in april march march April, March. <laughs> we visited in March of 2016 of this year, and it was um, fairly cold, but pretty good weather overall is what, what we had. We were there for about six days, okay? And so we wanted to talk about just like the highlights of what we saw. Yeah, and let's see. Of course, we mentioned a little bit about it in our last podcast where we hit the top 10 national parks of our trip, you know, out of all 59. So definitely go back if you haven't listened to that one because it's the question we get asked all the time. Yosemite was one of them. Um, It was so hyped up to us. We uh, had heard so much about it, but definitely lived up to everything. Um, I mean, just that first view when you're driving from Fresno or you know wherever you're coming from, getting through the tunnel into the park and seeing the tunnel view, um, just breathtaking. Everything within the valley, you can see it once, and you pull over, you take all your pictures from that iconic shot, uh, and then you just jump into the the fray, basically. Um, Slightly elbow to elbow crowds, really yeah. crowded. Even in March, it was crowded, um, and it, it didn't help that the Tioga Road, which is another road through a different part of the park that a lot of people go to, was was snowed in. Still, it was it um, it was too early in the season to access that, so everyone was funneled into the valley. But we managed to do a lot of really cool stuff. So we did mostly hiking. We did a big hike every day, a hike or two every day. Um, we camped at the the main campground for two nights we camped at we did some dispersed camping outside of the park in the national forest land we did we backpacked at hetch hetchy and then we also camped that and that's a different part of the park a different actual valley um really recommend that if you're looking to get away from the crowds and still get some awesome scenery and then we also camped at camp four yeah, Camp 4 is really cool because it's this is just one of those cool highlights that is you know, the parks are so steeped in history. Uh, camp 4 is a famous rock climbing camp because 
rock climbing is so um, important to Yosemite. There's, uh, you know, all the best climbers in the world go there. They break all these different climbing records. They test new gear. They, you know, just pioneer the sport of rock climbing. And Camp 4 is basically where that all happens. It's at the base of this huge wall, you know, of that goes all the way up from the valley to the to the top. And um, we saw people bouldering there all the time. It, it's first come, first serve, which is also really interesting because you never know if you're going to have a spot because it is really popular. Um, but we were able to get one night there, mm-hmm. and it was... It was awesome just to kind of be part of that crazy rough around the edges, um, <laughs> dreadlocks crowd. Um, yeah. And it was also really unique because it, you don't have a, an assigned campsite. You just kind of go and find a, a place and you basically your camp, your, the capacity is limited by how many bear boxes there are. So you get your own bear box and then set up camp wherever you can. Yeah, and so let's go ahead and talk about the lodging options, and that's a good that's a good representation of the diversity of people that visit Yosemite. Um, we were able to camp for free the first night and the last night we were there. We camped outside of the park in the National Forest. We found a, a little bit of dispersed camping, um, which if you haven't, if you don't know too much about dispersed camping, just you re- look it up, read about it a little bit. It's basically pulling off the road, finding a place that's inside the National Forest, and you can set up your camp, your um, your tent, or you can pull off and camp in your RV for free in most places. So there are some regulations, but anyway, it's a little, free. A little intimidating at first, but yeah. you get over it, especially if you're strapped for cash like we are and doing this all over the country. Right. We also camped, like you said, at Camp 4. That's a campground inside the valley. We camped at... Um, another campground it's called upper pines upper pines current campground Mm -hmm. there's lower pines upper pines and north pines i think Mm -hmm. and those are uh, reserved campgrounds we called ahead like months ago um we visited in the end of march i called it over christmas and they said yeah don't worry around that time there will be plenty of campground spots so that's what we we took them at their word get there not a lot of campground spots actually no campground spots it was booked solid uh so we were don't do this we spent like the first (laughs) half day in yosemite you know this gorgeous place where all you want to do is go explore looking for a campground and uh, there are that's kind of how we found out about all these different options so luckily there are some things you can do like sign up to get on the wait list and uh, get you know spots that have been canceled by other people Um, so yeah just we have lots of information about that on our blog if you're interested but um, there, backpacking also is is a great option if you can get a, a permit to go in the backcountry because that's what we did our other night uh, is just go backpacking in Hetch Hetchy and that is great to just get a breath from the crowds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the best ways we were able to escape some of those that yeah. overcrowdedness. But there were a lot of, I mean, there's so much in Yosemite Valley that's famous, uh, you know, some of those famous attractions what would you say falls in that category 
to me, the 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 thing we did that was crowded, but it was worth it, was the called the Mist Trail, and this is of course one of the most popular trails. Um, it huge two huge waterfalls, so you'll pass Vernal Falls and you'll get to Nevada Falls, um, and it's just along this trail that's very aptly named the Mist Trail. <laughs> you know, there's a, a, a section where you are definitely getting misted on the whole, as you're as you're hiking up. It's it's pretty steep, but it's not. You know, there are a lot of kids on it and. It's a family-friendly trail for the most part. Um, that was probably one of my favorite things we did. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Like you hike up, you hit one waterfall called um, Vernal Falls, and then you go up even farther. You get to Nevada Falls. Above that, um, definitely packed with people. But try and go either early in the morning or late in the evening because the, that's when the cloud, crowds really thin down uh, and definitely worth it and worth the hike. Um, Cole, what was one of your favorite things that was a little bit under the radar? I loved, I loved going up to Yosemite Point. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that was a thing, but our last day we were hiking up to Upper Yosemite Fall. Uh, there's you know that's the huge waterfall that goes into the valley it's hundreds of feet you know the tallest in the country and there's the lower part that you can see from the valley and then you can kind of see the upper fall as well but you can also hike all the way up there so we hiked up to upper yosemite fall but then and honestly the view of that fall was a little underwhelming because you know you're on top of it so you don't get a good view of the whole thing mm-hmm. um, but I was really glad we went the extra quarter half mile maybe and hike started hiking through the snow because it was still really snowy up at that elevation and made our way uh, kind of across the stream of the fall you know, there's a bridge so don't worry and up to the edge of the the cliff basically that looks into the valley and saw the most beautiful panorama from what's called Yosemite Point. It's gorgeous. It's a it was a good alternative to I know that a lot of people go to Glacier Point. Um, it was closed for us. There's a road to Glacier Point and you can also hike to Glacier Point. Um, and I know that I've seen pictures and it seems kind of similar, but this was a this was a cool experience just because you you have to hike there and it's you know, whenever you work for a view like that, it just feels so much better. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, also going uh, kind of going along with that, there were uh, the time that you visit the parks in the year is so important. It determines a lot of what you can do. And at Yosemite, we kind of felt like we were limited a lot because we couldn't go to the upper elevations. Some roads were closed, but it was also great because the waterfalls were amazing. Gushing. Yeah. In the spring when the snow is melting, they're just so, uh, yeah, so gushing. They And then at the, by the end, like August, they're kind of slowing down to a trickle. So if you like waterfalls, and who doesn't? go in the spring um another really cool thing that i've kind of forgotten about until just now is snowshoeing remember when we did that snowshoe program yeah that was a really cool thing too yeah they have a i was really bad i fell down a hundred times <laughs> it was hard it gives you like a nice thigh workout because you're like kind of walking spread out like your legs are kind of apart from each other a little bit more yeah 
This is our first time. <laughs> Not naturals. No. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, yeah, that was at their ski resort area, I think, called Badger Pass. Um, and they just, that's a free ranger program they offer. So definitely yeah, so check it out. so if you go during the spring or yeah. maybe even the winter. Yeah. So you want to wrap this up, Cole. Wrap up talking about Yosemite by just kind of giving... A few things that we had to really remind ourselves of while we were there, just around yes. all the crowds and all the kind of um, annoying people at times. So we had <laughs> to just keep remembering to that that it's Yosemite. You know, it's like it's one of the most gorgeous places we saw. All you know, in the valley, you stand there, you look around. It's like a three hundred and sixty degree view of gorgeous, like of the most gorgeous things you've ever seen. Um, but it's all around you at once. And so you really just, just we would say just breathe it in. Just don't rush. Try to take a few moments where you're not like, you know, driving from one parking lot to another parking lot and, you know, trying to see all the best views and trying to do, you know, stop. just don't try for a second. Just sit, find a place to sit and just look around. Breathe it in. It could be up on a hike. It can be just down in the valley. There are some places where you can kind of get away. It's so easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle, too, right. because there's a whole, like, you know, gas station and there's you know, a grocery store and everything. There's not a gas station. Don't tell them that. Get gas before you go into Yosemite. <laughs> no, there's a gas station. There's a service station there. Anyway, we'll we'll look into that and see who's right. <laughs> so, I, yeah, when we when we were getting to our uh, our camping spot for the night, the in the ranger station there was a sign and i thought this was very applicable and it just said smile you're on vacation and we just had to think about that sometimes just you you know you get caught up in all the all the people and all the things that you want to see especially there are a lot of people who go for a day just a day or even just a half a day and so you know there are always those people who are trying to rush around seeing everything Um, but we would just suggest take a minute slow down just really be in the place yeah there's no place like yosemite really truly but there's also no place <laughs> like this park number two that's really true um it is in the very uh you know it's above the arctic circle actually in alaska it's one of eight parks in alaska one of five parks in alaska that don't have roads it's in what's called the brooks range of mountains and it is called gates of the arctic most appropriately <laughs> yeah gates of the arctic was a struggle for us well mostly for cole i always knew how i wanted to visit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so tough because it doesn't have roads so we couldn't drive to it like we like to do with most parks but uh, there, there there were a couple options you could go to um you could bush plane in which you know is it going to be expensive but they could drop you off or you could just touch down and leave or you could uh, do a drive up the Dalton Highway, which is the one that leads from Fairbanks up to Prudhoe Bay, and you can hike in about five miles and be in the park that way too. Which, or you could do something really unique like take a mail plane mm-hmm. in. They, there's there's a couple different options there if are, you get creative. There are also some guided tours where if you want to pay a lot more money to to have someone bring you. Um, there's some rafting in the park that you can do guided guided rafting tours. So there were a lot of these options and it took a while to kind of work them all out and see, you know, the the, the prices and see that see our time restraints which which yeah. was I think the biggest thing for us that we had when we visited Alaska. 
So we decided, after very much a back and forth struggle. Yeah, I was pushing for the highway hike in. Probably. <laughs> you might be able to guess. Probably one of our biggest arguments of the whole trip. <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah, we had a lot, so it's tough to give a top top uh, spot. 24-7 with each other, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of argument time. But, um, but after really thinking about the time that we had to spend there and the amount of time we wanted to spend driving versus in the parks, um, and the fact that we had to, to uh, bush plane to... Kobuk Valley, which is sort of nearby, we decided to take a bush plane tour that would drop us down in Kobuk Valley and, you know, not not leave us there, but just touch down in, in Kobuk Valley. We could get out for a little bit and then it would continue on to Gates of the Arctic and we would be able to spend about 30 minutes in that park too. And then it would fly us back and that, that left from Kotzebue, Alaska, which is a city, I guess the biggest village up above the arctic circle Mm -hmm. i think yep um yeah so you want to our justification for for doing this yeah it was hard for me to stomach because we you know you can probably tell love to get in deep to the parks we like to spend a couple days there you know four to six days is what we typically did and this was not that. Um, <laughs> it was just a quick wham bam type visit. Um, we, but we, it's it is truly the way we we had to do it. Um, our Alaska time frame was just so crunched because of how things worked out towards the end of our trip. Um, I had to get back in time at the start of August for school, so we just really had to. Uh, you know, make some trade-offs and do this combo visit of Kobuk Valley and Gates of the Arctic using Golden Eagle Outfitters. They're the two, the flight company that we went with, and they were awesome. Um, that took off, you know, in no time, right when we landed in Kotzebue, and then as we were approaching Gates of the Arctic, we left Kobuk Valley and the sand dunes there, uh, took off again went over the Brooks Range and entered Gates of the Arctic. And the coolest part for me, I think, was flying through the gorge. Mm-hmm. He, he took us really low, dipped in between the mountains, and we were just tracking this stream uh, you know, with huge mountains on either side and just flying really low along it. Um, we were able to land on like a little gravel bar. Yeah. It was gorgeous. And it was, it was the water... Like, the water in Alaska just blows my mind. It looks like the Caribbean in the middle of Alaska. It's, like, aqua blue um, everywhere and in the lakes and in the even in this little stream. Like, you walk up and you look like it, – it's you feel like you're on the beach, but then there are mountains, of course, around you. Um, it was gorgeous. It was, it was a perfect day. We got amazing weather. So good. And, yeah, he, the plane just comes down, and it lands right on this gravel bar. I don't know what – those tires are made of but it did not have any problem just you know dropping right down on these huge rocks of the gravel bar <laughs> bless you excuse me thank you <laughs> but um yeah so the struggle was you know it's such a short time frame and such so much cost to just do this really quick visit how does it stack up to our other visits um you know was it less worthy than the other parks 
and you know really I think I think we realized that it was great in its own right um, there like we've said there's no wrong way to visit a park and this was this was a really cool option too because as you're flying over you know you get to see so much of it if we had hiked in you know through the dense forest on the other side of the park we would have gotten to see you know just this tiny sliver and who knows if we would have saw anything good you mm-hmm. know we might have been closed in in the trees the whole time it was a good way to get inside the heart of the park you know yeah. we knew we would be able to to see some of the the best and the most um, prominent features of the park and that's i think what solidified the decision for that was one of the things that solidified the decision for us um we had an awesome time it it was almost like a little respite that we took in Kotzebue because we wanted to mark you know uh, sketch out enough time to be able to do this this tour if in case the weather was bad and so we got to spend a a few days in Kotzebue just kind of relaxing um after the tour yeah yeah it was it was good I, I I think it was you know it really made us realize, I think that was one of the, the, the things that made us realize that this idea that there is no wrong way to visit a national park. Definitely. All right, so that's Yosemite, and that's Gates of the Arctic. Yeah, if you have any questions about these specific parks, please always let us know, and we would love to talk more about them. We also have posts on our blog, uh, several posts about each of these parks. So if you go to the search bar, you can search for Yosemite, you can search for Gates of the Arctic, and you can read more about how we visited and specific um, names of things that we maybe forgot. <laughs> and there are um, videos of each park we went to for, uh, for all 59. And also there's a bunch of travel details and itineraries and uh, you know just those logistic things for Alaska because it is so tough to get around, to visit the parks, to schedule all these tours and plane rides, bush planes. We wanted to give people a resource. So, yeah, that's all there. Check it out. Um, yeah. And also, if you have if you have an opinion on this, I think it would be interesting to share in the comments on this on this post, on in the show notes or even on, on the podcast itself, about if you agree or disagree with this concept that there's no wrong way to visit a national park, we definitely changed our minds throughout our trip. And so if you have an opinion, please feel free to share it. Yeah. So we're getting pretty long-winded here. Let's, uh, what do we have next? We have a question, listener question. We have a listener question. Cool. And this is from at Soup de Loop. Soup de Loop. Shoop de loop. Um, this is it's really funny because this is this is a person who we met in person in St. Louis. I met in person in St. Louis. I was going to an outdoor bar class um, in like B A R R E exercise class, class. exercise class yeah. in uh, Forest, fancy exercise in Forest Park. Um, in the in the park one morning they had a special exercise class outside and someone stopped me and she said, "Are you?" from switchback kids and i was like oh my gosh i'm such a celebrity (laughs) (laughs) yeah keep dreaming (laughs) it was but it was very flattering and so if you guys i mean if you ever see us like for sure say hi yeah most of you guys listening are our family so we hope that you would say (laughs) hi anyway um so her her question though was if travel was limited to roughly one month which region in the u.s would you choose to get the most bang for your buck so thank you so much for the question. Yeah. And Cole and I have not talked about this. I think it's a fun way to answer these questions. 
I'll go first, though. Okay, Because I have my answer. So my answer, if you were going to visit for one month, of course it depends on what time of year, but as far as density of activities, I loved Pacific Northwest. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I loved the area around Northern California, Oregon, Washington, and, and then even a little bit into Montana and Idaho. I don't know if you probably don't count that as Pacific Northwest, but so amazing. You could loop, you could loop in, you could see um, Redwood National Park, you could see Crater Lake, you could see, uh, Oregon has also some very amazing state parks. We went to Silver Falls, which was like waterfalls on waterfalls on waterfalls. It was amazing. Yeah. Columbia River Gorge. We Col- didn't get there. That's yeah. one of my regrets. Portland's a really cool city. Seattle's a really cool city. Shout out to my sister who lives there. Um, there are three national parks right around Seattle. That would be Mount Rainier, Olympic, and North Cascades, which were some of our just amazing parks, too. Um, if you go a little bit west, of course, there's Glacier, and then there's a, I, a bunch of really cool stuff in, in Idaho that we have not gotten to go to, but we want to. <laughs> That's on our list. Yeah, um, we've heard Stanley is a really cool town you got to right, check out in yeah, the middle apparently. of the Sawtooth Mountains or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so I would choose, I think if I was going to choose, of course, depending on the, the time of year, but I, I love the Pacific Northwest. Well, well, what time of year would you prefer to go there? August-ish, okay. late, maybe late summer or, okay. or early summer um, or I guess middle of summer. <laughs> I don't know. I would I would go, especially like if you're going to Seattle or Portland, um, it's pretty rainy there most of the year, so they have beautiful summers though. Yeah, how about those wildflowers though in mm. at Mount Rainier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We missed those. We didn't see those, but that those bloom I think in July or August. Yeah, so that would work. Okay, let's see. What do I got then? I would probably <laughs> say Pacific Northwest, but it, in uh, to not be repetitive, repetitive, I'll go with Alaska. Yeah, Alaska was just on another level wilderness wise. Uh, so stuff you don't see in the lower 48 you know all types of wildlife just incredible density of wildlife diversity of wildlife like around Kenai Fjords around Glacier Bay best wildlife we'd seen all trip then you know you also have mountains I think it's 14 of the highest 16 or 19 mountains in the country 14 of them are in Alaska which is unbelievable uh, you just anywhere you go mountains uh, I, I loved Wrangell St. Elias with with all the mountains loved Denali because we we're actually able to see Denali it just breathtaking can't beat it and then uh, I mean just stuff you can't get anywhere else uh, Katmai unbelievable density of brown bears fishing for salmon from Brooks Falls, that iconic shot of of the bears catching the salmon as they jump over the falls. Yeah. It, my my opinion on this is that I my blood pressure went up so much, I think, when I was in Alaska. So <laughs> I, I think another month in Alaska would probably give me a heart attack just because I'm so afraid of, terrified of bears. That I was always on edge, even when we were like in parking lots in Anchorage. I was like looking around, like yeah, gosh. thinking that the bears were gonna pop out from every direction. She needed a chill pill. I, yeah, I guess so. 
So anyway, so yeah. I would do that during summer. Yeah, because oh, uh, you sure. pretty much have to long days. Those are kind of nice, you know. Kind if of you can, confusing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, but honestly, you can't. I mean, the U.S. is so gorgeous and it's so diverse. Um, you would not go wrong visiting any of the regions of the U.S. for a month. And we did. And we did. <laughs> Quite a few of them. So thank you again for your question. And if you guys have any other questions, you can always leave us a voicemail on our on our podcast page on our switchbackkids.com slash podcast. You can also comment on any of our social media outlets and we will find your question and maybe feature it here. So thank you again. Thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week talking about possible solutions to the problem of loving our country's national parks to death. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend. Uh, Give us a rating on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram. You know the drill. Uh, And you can always get more National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog, switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. Thank you.